one. Hey everybody, this is Mike Graber again with the Sensible Solutions Show. I am here once again with my awesome daughter, Sabrina Raber, who is going to share more with you about her journey as a young entrepreneur into following her passion in music and many of the amazing lessons that she learned along the way. And for those of you who were able to listen to the first podcast her and I did, we ended with her sharing about a contest that she entered that actually was in, she competed on a national level taking a project that she was working on while she was in school and bringing it, kind of designing the prototype of creating a nonprofit around that. And she can share a little bit more about that with us today too, if she wants. But what really stuck out to me was she talked about how one of the lessons that she learned is people think of networking as a way of getting business or a way of meeting that person that can help open the door perhaps to the next thing, but really it's geared more around business and I'm in business. I need to learn more, learn about or meet more people that might be able to utilize my business. And it's very much a way of kind of self-serving more so than using networking as a way to meet other people and give back to other people and still learn and profit or benefit from it as well. And one of the things that she talked about, which really impressed me, was how she learned that in meeting people who are smarter than us or further down the road than us, it's more important often to ask for advice than to ask for money. And I've learned in my own journey that when a person comes up to me, with the question about something that I have done. I am often more than willing to share the knowledge that I have because if I can help guide somebody around an obstacle or help somebody with a challenge, not only do I help that person move faster into what they're trying to do, but at the same time, I'm able to help them perhaps not go through some of the same challenges or hurdles that I myself did. So most people I've discovered, the further a person is in their own journey, the more they're willing to share with others what they know or what they've learned if only people ask. Unfortunately, a person still has to ask the question and be willing to be coachable, be open to advice. But in doing so, a person can navigate around so many different roadblocks that young entrepreneurs and I think students, people in general face if only we would ask how or ask why first. So anyway, not to get off on a tangent here, staying and kind of taking it to the next level of what you were sharing on the last podcast, what would you like to um, share with the listeners today as far as things you've learned around networking and asking and working with other people and continuing to learn from those around you? Yeah, so I mean, kind of going off on what you were saying as well about the whole the art of the ask, as it's called. Um, I think especially for young entrepreneurs or, or young people starting out, um, the the reason why that is is really important is yes, you you know, you're if you're going to be applying for grants, uh, if you're looking for foundations, if you're looking for funders, you do need to be able to ask for money, but especially coming from someone like myself when I was a first year master's student, really sure how I wanted to um, build up my organization and, and I had no idea anything about funding structures or how to write fundraising plans and things that I have a little bit more experience with now. Um, it was really helpful for me to reach out to certain 
uh, mentors of, of mine in the field or not even people that I already know, just people that had um, become known to me through different and ask them for, like, like you said, ask them for their advice, but also ask them for their input, ask for their opinion. Um, I'm actually, I'm a fellow in a program right now where we're on the pitching. And so I'm realizing how important it is to be able to pitch your idea and not even, again, not even just for funding, but just to get feedback because getting that feedback to be able to make my program even better will make it that much more marketable to funders down the road. And so um, like that's something that I'm, I'm working with right now where my, my, one of the programs I'm trying to build is nowhere near anywhere where I could be able to ask for funding, but it is somewhere where I could start to build that partnership and start to, to have um, some of that open awareness in the minds of these funders and saying just like, hey, here's my, my idea, here's my organization, what do you think? At that point, um, I was, I've been told nine times out of 10 that if you go to a funder or you go to a, a mentor and you say, hey, here's my idea, what do you think? They'll always say, it's great, here's what you should do. When you come back, in a few years or whenever, not even a few years, in a few months, whenever your program is set and your idea is more specific, I'd be happy to, to help fund it. Um, so it's just kind of like getting that spark in their mind and, and kind of what you're saying, like showing that initiative that's really getting people um, excited about it. Also really helps with networking down the road. I mean, I've so many people off of those people that I met before. So like I said, I, I'm a fellow in this program. It's called the Global Leaders Program. Um, we, I've, I've asked my, the, uh, the of my program and just want to know, like, hey, I'm in this transition phase in my life. I'm doing some moving. And that conversation led to another conversation, which led to another conversation, which led to about three or four people that I initially did not intend to speak with right away, which led to the director of an organization that I'd be really interested in working in. And so with all of those channels, all just because I had the initiative to send an email that said, hey, can we talk for like half an hour? So I think really that's just the biggest thing is, is networking is, yes, it's meant to help financially grow your business and it's, help, it's meant to like have those connections. But really just to get those ideas and even more than that, just to show initiative and show excitement. Because I feel like that's really what people are trying to see, especially these days as people who are excited about what they're doing. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, passion can go a long ways. In fact, one of my more favorite sayings is if a person truly understands their why, they can overcome any how. And a lot of times it's how hard to step out and try to accomplish something especially if it's difficult if we don't have a strong idea around why we're trying to accomplish that and then again asking for help like you said as you became more clear in your own right you were able to explain it or people would tell you to come back when you were further down the road and you have more clarity around it so i think so often both in the business side as well as just in the personal side that we think either A, we have to have all the answers, which no one does, or B, we have to, or try to explain a vision, a wish, something that we're trying to do before it's really concrete and end up spewing all sorts of information out there and not only confusing ourselves, but certainly confusing the person we're trying to solicit or ask help from. So I love your point of 
developing that clarity and making sure that we are continuing to fine tune and become more consistent and clear with our approach and what we're trying to do. One of the things you shared with me too last time was you talked a little bit about music and community partnership. What exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I just, I have this uh, brand new degree. I'm the first recipient of this degree from the University of South Carolina. Um, it's called the, a master's in music and community partnership. And essentially it takes all parts of music performance and the, the lessons opportunities, the um, ensemble opportunities, performing in bands and orchestras, for example, music history, music theory, but it also adds music business, it adds community engagement classes, it, it really, it takes the most important part of a performance degree, which is learning how to play your instrument, and instead applies that to how can you, as a musician, benefit your community. Um, so really, like, social impact through music is kind of the tagline of a, of a degree in music and community partnership. And so a lot of that has to do with a couple of things. You have the what may seem more obvious of, okay, so how can we use music to make the world a better place? Is that music lessons for kids? Is that a pop-up concert for people who are homeless? Is that um, reading at the library? Is something like that. Like how can we use music and bridge that gap with our community to fill those holes that, are, that the community has? Um, and, and find ways to really impact the community through music. The other um, and almost simpler way is how can we just connect with the community? I think there's such a, amongst musicians, or at least there has been between musicians and uh, audiences that music concerts, classical music concerts particularly, particularly are quite stuffy. You pay a lot of money, you go into a concert hall, the orchestra plays, you sit, you, you be quiet, and you leave. And that's what we consider a concert. Difficult to advertise that to young people, to lower income people, um, and to really who's not in that top class of, of individuals, as, as they would say. And so the new partnership aspect of it is really how can we use music to create a bridge, not even to fill any gaps, but just to, to bring together the community that might not normally happen. So, for example, um, I, like we spoke with before, in, as far as the using music to impact communities, I created my um, music education program where we worked with under-resourced children in um, the, the inner city of Columbia, South Carolina. But then on the other side of it, I put together concerts where we worked collaboratively with poets and dancers and would do a concert in, um, in random uh, venues. We would go to like downtown malls, we would go to libraries, etc., and play concerts that were, ex oh, breweries, and play concerts that were accessible because that in its own way is also, again, it's impacting a community by bringing people together that might normally not spend time together um, in, a, in a way that really allows for open conversation or even just having, you know, again, having people in place. So that's kind of, I mean, that's really what that degree is. Hmm. Very interesting. And it is fascinating too how um, 
music plays such a prominent place in our culture. Great example through this whole COVID-19 pandemic out there. One of the common things I've noticed from watching TV is you have musicians from all different walks of life, different countries for that matter, would come on and do concerts. And you watch, um, there was a video that I saw on um, Facebook, I think it was, in Italy, where there is these buildings in kind of like a court in the middle of these different buildings and people were out on their balconies and singing and playing instruments and it became like one big massive concert. And I think music culturally wise, it's one of the main things that can either bring people together. Again, like you see all these different musicians playing Hands Across America when that came out as an example, playing their one piece and linking it from one person to another to another as a way of creating unity or reminding us that we are all together, we are all in this together, and we are one um, community. I think music can be used, it's a great tool that everybody, different people have, people have different types of music that they like, or have things that, memories attached to music, etc. cetera. I mean, heck, you look at a movie, and the dramatic role the music plays in the buildup of you hear a certain instrument or a certain series of instruments or notes and you know something big a person's about to get murdered or a person's about to fall in love or any type of emotional reaction that the writer or the director wants the audience to have music is that one connector it seems um, to allow people to do that so Obviously, it shows the importance, I think, for younger people and older people to learn about music, but the true power that music kind of carries with it. What are the thoughts in the realm of um, like community partnership or ways that, say, schools, kids are graduating from school now or they are finishing school and the summer is coming and this is summer is probably going to be different than others. Are there ways that you can think of that people could use music to perhaps keep themselves entertained or again, build that sense of community? Yeah, so that's actually a, a pretty difficult question that a lot of professional musicians and music educators are kind of faced with right now is how, how is our industry going to survive something where we are unable to, again, what you were saying before, like with or what I was saying before, sorry, um, how are we going to be able to continue those concerts when we can't gather? Um, and so I think, and I don't pretend to know any of the answers for this, a lot of this for me is also experimentation, but um, I think a lot of that community partnership is going to come into play in how can we use music to solve, again, solve some of are the community's problems. Um, and so kind of what you were saying before, like, yes, music has all of this power to bring people together, but also like, I know, I think this was happening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I had a former teacher who was talking about this, that they were actually hosting um, balcony sing-alongs their balcony and a certain time of the day it was on the news, they would broadcast it and everyone would, would get together and sing. And so something like that really can bring people together. And I think it's going to be really important for musicians to remember how necessary, as like you were saying, like how important of a part, a part of the culture it is. And with that, how important that is going to be as part of an edu education, especially moving forward with schools um, potentially needing to make some, some cuts because of, of, the, of the financial 
repercussions of the pandemic. Um, I guess as far as thinking of opportunities for recent graduates or even just anybody who is um, in a particularly sticky situation right now, like I know um, my, for example, my partner is a, a recent graduate with his master's degree and he's definitely feeling in the dumps of, you know, there are no jobs to, to apply for. So how am I supposed to be applying for jobs when there is nothing to do? Um, and so a lot of what I've been talking to him about and with some of my peers is the idea that um, I, I heard this in a, in a master class with uh, a famous flute player who said that having opportunity is really opportunity and luck is really only 10% of the battle. And the, and it's, I can't remember the exact percentages that he said, but the, it's like maybe 70% of preparation and then 20% of hard work. And then 10% is luck and opportunity. And essentially what that means, yes, there may not be opportunity right now, but one, if you have a vision for what it is that you want to do, like that's number one. But if you have that vision and you are preparing for it, then when that opportunity comes and when that is a possibility, as soon as it happens, you are ready for it. Um, and so, for example, with him, he's, um, he's also a musician. So he's trying to find um, teaching positions. He's, he's trying to find um, performing opportunities. And I've been trying to, we've been working towards, you know, how can we really prepare um, what, what we have, like what we offer, prepare the total package. So if someone were to come forth and say, hey, I really need a teacher for this, or hey, I really need a performer for this, that you are ready at that point. So it, it's that luck of that moment but being prepared when that happens. And so for him, I've been saying like, yes, build your website, pull together your portfolio, have everything in one place. So if someone came knocking on the door right now and said, hey, why don't you teach um, or to, to lead my program, would you do this? He would have all of that ready to go. Um, and so I think that's kind of the biggest thing, like for a lot of people that I would say, obviously goals are difficult to have right now it's it's hard to make a goal and set a, a timeline and a deadline for it when you aren't really sure what the timeline is going to be um but to have everything prepared so when that opportunity does come you are ready to go with it um and obviously again that is hard with everything going on it, it can be difficult to want to take the time to put everything together some people just don't have that time um, but, and this to kind of like circle back to what you were talking about at the very beginning with speaking to people to get ideas. Like if you have an idea for a program or for a business, if you put together that business plan, you draw out your business model canvas, you have your logic model, you pull together your budget, you have your pitch ready to go. You have all of that set and you are able, and let's say you reach out to someone who's a family friend who then leads you to another person, leads you to another person. So you're constantly refining that idea that when everything goes quote unquote back to normal, I guess we should say, um, that you would be ready to be able to take that. So like, for example, in my program that I'm working on right now, we're working on the idea, I, I and a team are working on an idea of using music therapy for to, um, oh, I, see, I have to work on my pitch now too, um, using music therapy in collaboration with Th therapists and universities to help survivors of sexual violence share 
their stories and recover from their experiences in a safe but also empowering way. And so we have, we're basically putting everything together, the entire pitch, the, all the budgets, all the, everything I was saying before, um, our entire prospectus. So if that opportunity comes in a couple months or in a year or whenever that's possible, um, where we're able to meet with those partners, you would be able to drop it right now and say, here's what we have. Everything is prepared. Yeah. I would give as far as it's concerned. That is so true. And I think that's one of the things that so many people, they will practice something and they'll say, when I get this opportunity, then I will start to prepare. And they forget to prepare along the way. Have that like in the speaking realm, as an example. Um, I was taught years ago to have a pocket speech. And one of the goals, I'm part of this organization for professional speakers. And one of the goals that I had was to speak on stage in front of this organization, which takes place in um, Chicago, Illinois. And usually it's anywhere from 100 or more people in a room. And I prepared and kind of put it out there, wrote the goal. And I didn't know the timeline, but I knew what the goal was. And I knew what I would have to do to be able to be ready if said opportunity were to come. And I kind of dug the ditches, as they say. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, I think it was, I, got, I saw an email come through saying that one of the presenters that was supposed to speak on this event, and it turned out being virtual versus being live. So that was different. But the presenter, something came up last minute and the presenter wasn't able to show up. And I, it was a two-part email. One that was presented for that day, and then the other one was a presenter for later in the month, like June 17th or something like that. Anyway, I saw the email come through and I said, hey, this might be my opportunity. So I answered mm -hmm. back an email. Oh, I see that this presenter is not able to make it. If you would like, I could step in and fill that role for you. And I get a response back. Oh, MG, are you going to be our hero of the day? And I was like, well, now keep in mind, it's 9.15 in the morning. I just woke up and saw this email. And she goes, we need someone to talk at 11. Are, are you saying that you can be that? superhero is 11 a.m today question mark question mark yes and was i expecting to give a presentation in an hour and a half no i was thinking i could do it in a month lots of time to prepare <laughs> knowing who my audience was but right. like you just said i wasn't going to turn down an opportunity and i knew i could be ready and i would be able to because i had the pocket speech right so long story short i got up took a shower Told her, I told her, yes, here's my bio, here's the speech title, here's the intro to the speech, because I here's my photo, because I had all that stuff prepared, waiting, right? So I sent that over to her, got up, went and took a shower, came back, sat down, opened up my computer, opened up a presentation that I had done many times before, but it was an hour presentation or hour and a half presentation. I had basically 20 minutes to deliver it. Mm -hmm. So I picked the three most important parts out of it, took a lot of the slides in the slide deck and stripped them away, ended up with a very concise presentation, which was probably 20 minutes of work because I already had the framework in place. I just had to fine tune it for the event at hand. And opened up, went into the event, and the coolest thing was, even though it was virtual, it was if I magically went through the computer onto the stage in front of all these people, because they were all there, they were just in their computers looking at me. And I delivered probably one of the best presentations I've done to 
an incredible audience in 20 minutes because I had the pocket speech ready and because I set the intention out there for said opportunity. And when the opportunity arose, I jumped on it. And the point of that story was not only did I wow the audience, not only did I get a lot of incredible feedback and a couple of potential clients, but the president of the organization asked me if I would help them build their organization in Wisconsin. So a potential great job opportunity as well, which all came because I was ready. And because right. I was willing to step into the role and be that superhero, even though I was scared stiff. But, oh, well, that's life, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I know that our listeners have many things they need to do and probably don't want to spend the rest of the day listening to us. So <laughs> in a way of staying on cue and on task ourselves, are there any last minute things that you'd like to share with the audience before we jump off? Not that I think of. I tend to ramble. So I think we'll just end it there. Perfect. Well, for those of you out there listening, Sabrina and I are going to be doing a whole series of podcasts around financial management and kids, around education, around college survival, and a whole other platform, bringing music, of course, into it as well. So stay tuned, and we will be getting the next podcast out to you soon. And at that, I am now bringing the podcast to an end, and hope you all have a fantastic day.